The Cost of Goods Told podcast is made possible by the following sponsors. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is committed to providing you with the best quality meat delivered right to your door. Offering certified Angus beef, grass-fed beef, Wagyu, and many more premium options, nobody beats Duke's Meats. Make sure to check out all that Duke has to offer at dukespremiummeats.com. Chriswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas-style hot sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. Go to BernieBrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie, B-O-E-R-N-E, Brand.com. Zero Point Organics grows and supplies microgreens for over 30 major restaurants in the Houston area. Consistently perfect quality in flavor and appearance, their microgreens will be the best you or your customers have ever had every single time. Go to zero, Z-E-R-O, dash pointorganics.com. Welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast, season two, episode four. We're we're deep into it now, Darren. That's a terrible no intro, but I'm right. keeping it. I'm no keeping it in. I don't care. That's all right. We got the team behind uh, Mastrantos here. Uh, Mastrantos. Right. I got it. Okay, so yeah, I, I keep tongue twisting it for some reason. Astros, yeah, fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> It'd be good though, because yeah. it's got a little play on the Astros now that they're doing well, you know. So, Slightly but different cuisine, but I mean, whatever. That's right. right. Just a little bit. Um, so, guys, for the audio listeners, why don't you both uh, introduce yourselves so that they can hear your uh, voices and they kind of can identify which is which? Um, Tony, why don't you start? Hi, uh, I'm Tony Castillo. I'm the executive chef of Masrantos. And right next to him, yeah. I'm Xavier Godoy. I'm a founder and co-owner, I guess, of the concept. Me and my wife started this up uh, about three years ago, and here we are. Very cool. So why don't you all uh, start us kind of from the beginning? Uh, Xavier, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Because uh, it's uh, a little different than uh, the restaurant uh, background. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm half... Spaniard have uh, Venezuela and I grew up all my life in Venezuela and then uh, <clears throat> at a teenager age I left the country went to Arizona to learn English and then from there study in Texas through tennis I played tennis I still do and uh, 15 years after that or so maybe more than that uh, I stayed throughout the process in Houston uh, however, we got to live in about six different countries uh, after I graduated from school, got a job in the oil and gas business. I'm an electrical engineering background, so you're right, nothing to do with food here. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but we left the country, lived in Chile, Trinidad and Tobago, Colombia, Mexico, um, back to the U.S., and then stayed here since 2010 with, with a family at that point. We now have three kids. Um, however, even when I was based in Houston, it was 80% of my tr time was traveling overseas. Mm. So without knowing, I was going into, I don't know, Lima, Peru, and staying an extra day on corporate credit card, if you will, and <laughs> going into the local markets just to see how the locals ate and enjoyed the uh, ingredients and 
the real deal, right? He wasn't the, the restaurant scene. He was more the food scene, mm -hmm. the food scene as well. So that along the way got, got to a point that the traveling was too much. I couldn't do it anymore if I wanted to keep a family, to be honest. And we decided to, my wife wanted to get back to work. She's also uh, was in the oil and gas business, a corporate world. Uh, she stopped working when we had the last baby, Natalia. And when she wanted to get back to work, I wanted to stop working. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, over at Wine in Spain, visiting the family, I said, that's it, that's enough. Are you going to come back and quit? So we bounced ideas back and forth for about a year. We didn't know what to do, to be honest. We just wanted to start something from scratch and put our own culture. Uh, and give it a try. We didn't know if it was going to work. We still don't know, but here we are having fun. And Three years in, I think it's working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. Right? Uh, so anyhow, a year after that conversation, I, I put their, you know, I, I, si I resigned from the company with my, my notice and started the project. It ended up being a restaurant. Initially, we didn't know it was going to be a restaurant, uh, but we developed a business plan, and then from that, found an investor, and then you know, found a location, and everything was uh, you know, nice and pretty. <laughs> and then suddenly, things start happening, right? Uh, delays here, delays there. We lose the investor. The, the location is uh, no longer available for about a year and a half. Harvey comes in the whole package changes. Uh, <laughs> so and it, we're in it. We said, uh, let's keep at it. We, we put our 401k, we put all our savings into it. And we met Tony along the way. Yeah. Uh, which was a, a great uh, addition to the package, uh, to the project. And he added his, uh, his background, which is also very international, very global. And he brought his artistic mind into it and, and started to influence the concept in a way that, that today we believe it's, it's working pretty well. Uh, so speaking about that a little bit. So one, the name, can you tell us how the name came about? And then two, Tony, we talked about it before a little bit about almost like the logo that's on there and yeah. what's the importance of that logo and how y'all kind of came up with that. Um, was that a joint effort between the two of y'all? Was that something that was kind of established between you and your wife, Xavier, or? Yeah, well, I'm an engineer, right? So analysis goes right, right and left since the beginning. So we, we, <laughs> we evaluated everything that we could before the drawings happened. So the, the, the branding of the restaurant was initially thought since the beginning to be that way. Now it evolves as everything else and the actual name of the restaurant reminds my wife and I where we come from, which is a very small old town in Venezuela. Uh, and Mastrantos is nothing but the blue bonnet of the of the tropical weather. Okay. It's okay. a wild plant. Very aromatic though, different than the blue bonnet. So it's like <laughs> eucalyptus, like mint. Okay. So when you hit it, it just gives you that aroma that is so beautiful. And it only grows in a region of the country, which is happens to be where we come from. So we wanted to bring the roots into something. Even and and we found that name. It reminds us where we come from, and it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? Uh, it could be a name, like a last name for some people. It sounds sometimes Italian, but it's not. It's just a plant, and that's where it just reminds us where we come from. So that's the name. The actual logo. It's a very simple idea of food 
we believe one of the foundations of the concept, we have three, and one of them is balance. No matter what we do, we want to do it in a balanced way. The design of the interior design, the actual design of the restaurant, mm -hmm. the, the way we manage you know, the, the, the team, and the balance between family and life and work and all that. And also, balance on the way you eat. So we lo I love bread, I love carbs, I love pasta. We do make our own pasta in-house. But it's not only about pasta, it's what else goes with it. Right. You know, it's not only about the fat content or just the veggie or being organic. It's a balance of everything. So the logo, it's a balanced dish, <laughs> if you will. So it's the car or the, the, the grains and the veggies and the protein. It's just the pyramid that yeah. we learn mm -hmm. about food. Put, put, put in, in a dish. Right. That's what it is. <laughs> now, that's even evolving because the, the branding of the restaurant is becoming more towards a boom and a flower <laughs> that it's found in our bathrooms, to be honest. We have a wallpaper that we design and it's quickly becoming the branding, but we will never forget our balanced dish. Right. Mm -hmm. so, nice. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just thinking, so Tony, how do you feel about that menu? So when you came in, right, you have yeah. all this experience. How do you feel about the menu initially? And, so, then, and then what do you feel about it now? Okay, no, so uh, when I first met Xavier, uh, they told me that, they were like, hey, we can do whatever we want, but we have to have pasta. And I was like, Xavier, well, I'm gonna be completely <laughs> honest with you. I don't know anything about pasta. <laughs> <laughs> but if you teach me, because they went to Italy and they learned like techniques and stuff, which was very like charming and like you, you almost like want to live vigorously through them. Like, like oh man, <laughs> I wanna go to Italy and learn how to make pasta. Sure. So obviously, that was a learning opportunity as a chef. It's like, hey, you're gonna teach me like fresh pasta in different styles and different. But my style of food, with all the experience, was I like balance. And when he when we looked at the logo together, he's like, and they explained the logo, it's perfect because for me, a lot of chefs like it either too smoky, too too salt, too sweet, too too sour. I like everything. It needs to be able to hit every part of your tongue. All the notes, yeah. All, all every single thing. And so when he explained it that way. It's, exactly how I like to create my food yeah mm -hmm. and so at that point we didn't really they had an idea of a menu and so we kind of evolved together and so what we tried to do when we create menus is sit at a table and we just talk ideas and talk food and they've kind of given me like free range but also like I like their input I like having and not just the uh, Xavier Mati's like we have our, our go ninja who works our facial area Elu, and I go to him for ideas I go to my cooks, I go to my, our servers, like, because it's about balance, and yeah. so everybody's palate is different. So for those who haven't been to the restaurant, how would you describe your food? What, what, it's probably a mix, right? Because you have such a cultural traveling, and you've been all around, but how do you, how do you put that in a nutshell? Like, in a nutshell, I would say it's Houston. To be honest, Houston is the most diversified city in the That's US. a very politically correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's I, evident of your corporate world background. There you right go, there. it's coming back. <laughs> I, I won't lie, it is. I mean, we have an Indian dish. Uh, my favorite crudo was yeah, yeah, Indian yeah. influence curry raw scallop dish with yogurt on it. Like, I don't eat, I hate yogurt and I love that dish. Uh, but it's a Indian influence. We have a Korean kimchi over a steak bowl. We have arepas from Venezuela. Yeah. We have pasta from Italy. But 
we're also bringing the Tex-Mex into a pasta dish with a chorizo and egg pasta or a chorizo and egg carbonara. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I'm not, yes, it's corporate answer, but it's <laughs> the true reality. It's Houston in a nutshell. I'm not lying. We're sitting in a barbecue spot. We might do some barbecue style. Not mm -hmm. bar we can't smoke, but we'll find a way. Actually, he's found a way already. We do a tri-tip with uh, espresso rub. Mm -hmm. for this yeah. for the uh, our first winter winter and he's he didn't smoke it but he it, it did have that touch and people are like what is this it's a steak a tri-tip right. steak it's got some french sauce on top but it's kind of like a smokiness to it so it is houston in a nutshell to that, be honest. that sounds that sounds really good and when you said though tri-tip right and yeah. oh, uh, that you couldn't smoke in house but the first thing i thought of and i'm not a chef right. is some sort of cold smoked chimichurri sauce Right, you take those those herbs and you do yeah. a cold smoke yeah. on them and you blend them up. Now you have a, a twist yeah. right on barbecue. And again, I'm not I'm not a chef, yeah, but yeah. I was thinking, maybe we come over and, and watch you guys. <laughs> all right. Well, I was thinking too. I was like, you said barbecue, and I I, I bet you all of the barbecue guys got a little tight when you said tri-tip. You know, like yeah. we're oh, we're gonna smoke a tri-tip. Like all the barbecue guys are like, wait a second, no. get in there. Yeah, like, you've heard of smoke tri-tip. <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line, to be uh, to be honest, our motto. It's global taste. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. That's the restaurant in a nutshell. Gotcha. Well, Tony, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you've been able to kind of come in and influence some of this menu from all of your experience and so forth. For Yeah. So I come from a very food industry family. My dad's a chef. I've been cooking since I was younger. Um, I come from two cultures that are very big on food, which is Mexican culture and Filipino culture. Um, and both cultures, they just have parties just to eat. It's, really, it's a bonus that it's somebody's birthday or wedding. Um, but all joking aside, I mean, they take food seriously, but to a manner in which, with a lot of love and respect, and you kind of like, it kind of brings you home, you know? So I originally was going to be an accountant. No disrespect to accountants. I think it's a great profession, but it was boring for me. Um, but... I decided, that, you know what, why not follow my dad into his field? My dad almost had a heart attack, but um, <laughs> no, son. my dad's my hero, so I'm going to do it. So I ended up doing that, um, but also I had the privilege of working with a lot of different sous chefs, chefs that, you know, taught me new things from different parts of the world, you know, a French friend of mine, somebody from Guatemala, um, somebody from Ethiopia, somebody who was Japanese trained. And so you start to realize as a young chef, although you do want the accolades, you understand that food is like a very big language. Mm -hmm. And that, so with that, I went to culinary school, um, ended up working at a few restaurants or the Daily Grill, and then I went to the St. Regis where I actually learned a lot through international food. Um, and then I ended up going towards Tiny Box, which is a very big River Oak staple. And then um, found my way with Xavier through a mutual friend of ours. Yep. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, you know, how does it influence the menu? How do I influence myself here? Is just, you know, taking everything that reminds you of home. You know, I like to hit people's, you know, like nostalgia. What makes me feel like it reminds me of my family. It reminds Xavier of when he went to Italy or when he went to go travel through Peru yeah and so but also change it you know change people's mentality change people's 
perspective on food. It's not why does barbecue have to be barbecue the way it is? Why can't we use a tri-tip? Right. <laughs> or smoking. So, you know, asking the why, and Xavier and Monty do a very good job of, you know, asking me that why. Hey, you know what, Tony, why can't we do that? And why, well, I don't know, Xavier, why can't we? <laughs> Funny story, uh, Tony comes in and uh, comes out with the first menu. And my wife and I looked at it and we just laughed, like, like hard. Like, Tony's playing safe. <laughs> like, Tony, what are you doing? Well, that's a menu. It's, it's, it looked like a corporate menu to be honest. Tony, <laughs> we know you because at this point it's been a year cooking together and yeah. doing events together, and it's and we we know what he can do, right? Like, no, no, uh, uh-uh. start over, do it all over again, bring the real Tony out, and it really changed the whole package mm-hmm. because the art came out. The, the real flavor started coming together and not only his experience through St. Regis and Tiny Boxwoods that are safer place if you will, mm-hmm. the Filipino and the Mexican and his friends really come through the menu and then we are like that's it. We hit it since the beginning, since menu number one and from there it's we change the menu every quarter. Mm. And he can't wait. He finishes one and he's thinking around the next. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so it really influenced, uh, going back to your question, I, I believe right. uh, his background, not only his experience in, in the work zone, it's what he thought about food that brought him into this industry mm-hmm. that I believe is showing up in every menu. Uh, it's, it's what he likes to do. Well, no, no disrespect to any other institutions out there, but when you when you have the chance to kind of cook without fear, you know, a place that doesn't have a reputation, you think, well, I mean, because you were the executive chef for Tiny Boxwoods. Tiny Boxwoods was there a long time before you were, so it has its staples. It kind of has its reputation. You know, you can create a little bit within that, but when you come into a blank slate and someone says, you know, cook fearlessly, that's when you oh, really yeah, can shine, you know? <laughs> I think every chef and every cook, like, if we look back at that like that's where it was exactly it's like you're so used to having somebody say hey you can change two things off this menu not somebody says hey here's this open canvas and you do whatever your heart desire and make it look pretty and you're just like well can I do this do whatever you want (laughs) so so safe to say if you're doing a new menu quarterly it's it's seasonal right you're using seasonal ingredients whatever's freshest whatever's available and I would you know you Tony, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but you know, there's in in every restaurant, there's back of the house people, there's front of the house people, mm-hmm. right? Back of the house people are typically the more creative, right? They're more internal, they're they're not external. Front of the house people are always they're chatty, Kathy. They're yeah. out shaking hands, <laughs> babies. Now you have a good mix of that. So we've talked before the podcast, and you guys yeah. are big talkers, Absolutely. which is not a bad thing at all. But you enjoy that creative side. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you found home in the kitchen, and it sounds like doing something quarterly allows you to stay fresh on that creative game. Is, yeah. that, is well, that right? Absolutely. But also, the greatest thing about the way our restaurant is set up, and um, I'm going to take this before Xavier takes it because <laughs> I know he's, he's wanting to jump in on this one. <laughs> so, our restaurant is very transparent. I mean, our kitchen is wide open. Yeah. I mean, to say that front of the house people are chatty and the back of the house aren't chatty, we've, we're developing a new culture for restaurants to where the front of the back of the house needs to be chatty because mm-hmm. we're open and so they need to be able to talk to guests our front of the house need to be able to know about food and so we've tried to eliminate front of the house and back of the house we don't yeah. really use those terms a lot because 
we're just Masrantos. We're just, you know, one team. We're one restaurant. And when you say open, you literally mean it. I mean, there are, there are what, four or six seats right there in front of a line that, you know, you and somebody else would be working on. Like, I mean, and that's completely open to the rest of the dining room. So You can, you can smell everything. You can see the flames. Um, the guests are sitting there, like, watching you when you're getting, you know, a million tickets. You're trying to ask a million questions while you're, like, sauteing. You're pasta. trying not to sweat. You're trying to, you're to turn around and do it with a smile. But well, It's so um, open, if I can cut you up on there. Friday, we are a regular comes in in the morning and they, they get these tequenos, which is a wrapped. Yeah. It's the best the cheese you've yeah. ever had. <laughs> we don't do it at night, and somebody's like, "Hey, I know you don't do it, but can you do it?" And we're Tony and I are like, "No, we can't. Let's do it quietly." So we tell the server, "Just keep quiet. Just hide the dish and try to bring it in." <laughs> as soon as we put the dish on the chef pass. The four seats were filled. Everyone could see. Uh, what's that? <laughs> you can't hide anything. Right. So, so yeah, another one of our pillars is, is transparency, and so every little thing, that every detail, um, we don't hide anything. We make mistakes. We're the first ones to bring it up. We're not the, you know, most restaurants is like go get the manager, tell them, you know, make up a story about like the chicken is out or no, it's hey. This dish is overcooked. We'd rather send you a better dish. Yeah. Um, our prep area is a giant window to see what how clean we are and how much we prep. And you know, so front of the house, back of the house, I don't think it exists with us. And so we make sure that everybody is able to talk as much as we are. You just so happen to have the people who talk the most. Yeah. <laughs> I would bet my last fifty cents, probably though, <laughs> that that the customer gets a much better experience oh God, yeah. with an open concept and look traditionally they have to have front and back traditionally yeah. they just traditionally, have right yeah. Yeah, absolutely. because there's some things you just don't want people to see Agreed. but your concept eliminates that altogether yeah. and i think though further enriching the customer's experience i, I think so uh, the the idea was developed or the project was developed under the idea of feeling like you went to a friend's house or a friend's apartment and you're they're just cooking for you mm -hmm. it's not we didn't see, we, we're not chef, we don't know anything about food at this point, we're just developing a project, right? So we say, we want people to feel like they're having a tremendous time and it just happens to be over what we enjoy the most, which is food. Right. So it shouldn't be, let me just go eat, let me have fun, mm -hmm. and along the way I will have amazing food. Right. And that's, we're not organic by any means, but we try to get the best ingredients that we can. And we're transparent with that. So. Balance is the first, you know, pillar of the concept. Transparency, it's also number two, or we don't have numbers, it's just three pillars. Balance, transparency, and global taste. Any decision that we make is based out of that. Hmm. So, yeah. so, Tony, with your dad's background, you haven't said it yet, but he's from Chicago. Oh, no, he's from Mexico. Uh, he's from Mexico, but he... He did Chicago, yeah. Yeah, and that's where he got his, you know, culinary chops, correct? Yeah, I mean... Uh, First, I think he told me his first job, and it's funny because he told me his first job and his last job will be for the same company, um, the Weston. Um, he started. As a, he, it's funny. He started as a dishwasher at 17, and uh, it's a very old story. He, he started as a dishwasher at 17, worked his way up. At like 23, he ended up becoming a sous chef. And the funniest story he told me was like him, like freaking out because he didn't know how he was going to be able to be over people who went to the Johnson and Wales and the CIA right, right. and you're talking about like the Westin right next to Hancock Tower in Chicago <laughs> which yeah. is like in on Michigan Avenue 
and so he's the sous chef for these guys and he's just like freaking out <laughs> and so my yeah my dad uh you know we were in chicago brought us down here when we were growing up so i like to say that i was like you know born in chicago i rep chicago but i was raised in houston so yeah if i could take a city and put it into a state it'd probably be i just wonder how he he uh views how the kitchen's laid out and so forth someone who kind of comes from that old school mentality because it really is i mean when you say it's open and transparent it is incredibly open transparent all the way to you can see the dishwasher when you're on your way you know like you can see every inch of it and usually i think a lot of chefs would freak the hell out if you had that much transparency (laughs) and that's where we hit it very close because he was not scared at it i mean when we showed the drawings it's like that's what i want and Honestly, it really makes a difference. And the, the, the cooks that we hire, some, some have not stay because they don't enjoy the conversation with the guests or mm. they don't enjoy the openness. But those that stay love it. Mm-hmm. Just, again, if you're cooking at your house, you're not scared if the salmon drop in the floor. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to toss it in the, in the trash, right? You're not going to yeah. cook it. That's, a, that's what we want to achieve. And it's been achieved so far. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Well, cool. We're going to take a quick break to hear a few words from our sponsors. Uh, We'll be back in part two and we'll talk about the future and what's currently going on and what y'all have in store for the next menu because we're super excited to hear all that. Sweet. All right. We'll be right back. The Cost of Goods Told podcast is made possible by the following sponsors. Chriswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas-style hot sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. Go to BernieBrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie, B-O-E-R-N-E, Brand.com. Zero Point Organics grows and supplies microgreens for over 30 major restaurants in the Houston area. Consistently perfect quality in flavor and appearance, Their microgreens will be the best you or your customers have ever had every single time. Go to zero, Z-E-R-O, dash pointorganics.com. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is committed to providing you with the best quality meat delivered right to your door. Offering certified Angus beef, grass-fed beef, Wagyu, and many more premium options, nobody beats Duke's Meats. Make sure to check out all that Duke has to offer at dukespremiummeats.com. Just hit record. Yeah, we're just hitting record. We're just having fun. No, no, no. This is just fun. This is just fun. We'll just. I'm just hitting record because it's fun. So. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Go yeah. ahead. No, Talking no. Keep about going. the profitability thing and using cuts that are not typical, I'm not scared because go try make a tri tip like a regular would do it. Right. And they will kill it. Yeah. Or yeah. They will hate it. Yeah, right. When they come to the restaurant and they're like, "This is not tri tip. What do you do to it?" Mm-hmm. They challenge us. Oh, yeah. Is that tri-tip? Ooh, wait a minute. A steak? No, no, no. Because <laughs> California does it as a you know brisket steak. Right, exactly. But no, we, we do a steak. In, in, in Latin America, that's the only way you do it. You don't have steak. So you do a whole piece, even Argentina. Mm-hmm. And then you slow... I mean, anyhow, I'm not going to bore you in the details. No, 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 go ahead. The it's, bottom line yeah. is using those weird, quote-unquote, quote, uh, cuts... It's not just using them, you gotta use them right. Right. You gotta season them, which is salt and pepper only, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it, you will kill the whole package. We have right. a pork right now. Oh yeah, that's, no, the pork is great. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, 
a different cut. So in, in Spain and Europe, they have different like cuts of meat. Yeah, the primals are different. Yeah, yeah of course. And so it, it, when he came to me again with an, another cut, he goes, "Hey Tony, have you ever tried a uh, a pork called a uh, secreto?" I was like, "Is that like <laughs> is that like bacon?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a cut, like part of the shoulder. I was like, "Like loin?" <laughs> no, no, I'll bring it to you. So he comes and he brings me this whole like. Like loin. pork, like a huge pork loin, and then he starts cutting it. I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna see what this cut is. So then all of a sudden, he cuts off like the very bottom of it on the very bottom right, and he takes the pork loin and puts it away. I'm like, where is the rest of the pork? That's the cut we need. Yeah. <laughs> the corner is yeah. Trust me, when you try it, it'll be the mm-hmm. best thing you ever tried. And so when we you, you threw it on the grill. Salt and pepper, olive oil, rosemary. He cuts it. He's like, try it. I was like, all right. I mean, I'm yeah. Filipino. Filipino come out. <laughs> yes. Pork? Yes. Filipinos are very pork. They're big pork snobs. They're like, you know, <laughs> I want my lechon, and I want it right. And so he gives me this, and I'm like, okay, I love pork. I tried. I was like, oh my god, what is this? And all of a sudden, once I tried, I'm like, oh my god, I could do so much with this. I'm gonna create a dish that tastes like a inverted baked potato loaded. Mm-hmm. And so that's what exactly what we did for our menu, which is uh, pan-seared secreto with, uh, instead of regular potato, we did different types of root vegetables. So we have curry and purple yam, sweet potatoes, yuca, uh, baby potatoes. We roast it with butter, salt and pepper, and we do labni yogurt, which is like a Mediterranean yogurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you try it, it's like almost as if you were eating a loaded baked potato. <laughs> that's so cool. So it's like... And so people just keep eating, and they don't understand what is actually happening. Yeah, no, it's it's a sweet, salty, and fatty, but it's not fatty. It's just soft pork. It's actually in the U.S. It, it, you sit when you buy rebuy pork. I don't know if you ever had that, but they have mm-hmm. it at HEB. It's a rebuy cod. Mm-hmm. One s- section of the cod, on the bottom or the top, whichever, it's darker. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. That's okay. The right. <laughs> they that's cut the best part. Vertically. We rip it. Oh, nice. It's called secret in Spain. It's a secret part of the pork. Mm. Nobody goes for it. And the butchers in Spain just kept it, kept it for, for themselves. That's mm-hmm. a, that's I'm glad you told me that because when I buy the whole loin, yeah. right, I buy 99 cents a pound. Yes. I buy three of them. Yeah. I cut it into <laughs> thirds. I cry back it and I throw it in the freezer. Yeah. But it's cheap, right? Yeah, you can't beat is. that. Yep. And every time I get down to that portion, which we always cook as a roast, yes. the yep. we go, my daughter hates it. Too much fat. It's got too much fat. Like, yeah. that's flavor. Yeah. That's flavor. <laughs> so I'm, but I'm glad you described it that way. You can rip it. There's always that one end yes. right, that's got more marbling, a little more. It's a little Dark. darker than yes. the other. It's just, cool. a, it's just a, a triangle. It's similar to a tri-tip yeah. on pork. Mm-hmm. So you just rip it and that's it. So it took him a while to find who sold that because oh, it's yeah. not a typical cut. No, so and it's, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, and that's the, the other difficult part about it too. It's like, I, you know, my family, we just did a trip to Montreal and you go into the, the regular grocery store there. And I mean, they got a butcher shop and that guy is cutting huge. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just, there's, there's obviously some packages with a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, there's just big cuts there, and he's like, "So what do you want?" You know, and it's like, "Well, <laughs> that," you know, like just and and you know, there there was a video, I think um, Bon Appetit did it or something like that, and they were showing, you know, the guy uh, butchering a, a whole cow, and I mean, just all the pieces that were coming off. I was like, "God, like 
you you can sell those you know and then like there was the ra- the restaurant haven and i remember people were like oh my god they serve pig's face i'm like have you had it <laughs> you know like you stew that long enough and those pig cheeks are freaking phenomenal it's, it's, it's it is well it's like cow tongue too you know it is. well but also you gotta understand like the, the idea of what everybody's going towards right now like not everybody's educated on knowing what everybody's used to primal cuts right i mean and so, like, butcher, even uh, young cooks and young chefs, they don't teach you butchery in culinary school. Right. Mm-hmm. Until the idea of being a butcher is almost right. existent. Yeah. I mean, only, like, the CIA will probably do it, or Johnson Wales will do it. But, you know, the idea of butchery, so that these young kids are learning, are not learning how to use, like, the tails, the shanks. They're of like, course. Okay, well, how can I make a dish out of a ribeye or a New York or, <laughs> you know, things that people spend... Forty-two to fifty dollars a plate. When in reality, you can ha- you can create a dish with cuts that are, that are less expensive, but that's way more flavor. Mm-hmm. Way will bring it home. So, so to me, in my background, the genius behind using secondary or tertiary cuts, yeah. things that aren't popular. So the genius behind it is the good side is the upside. Very profitable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being very creative, which 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 is fulfilling for a chef, and then educating the public, which mm-hmm. is all part of a service industry, right? Mm-hmm. You're educating them on what things are. The downside is, here's a question, are they hard to get your hands on? Yes. Because nobody, they're, they're throwing them out. Or they go, when I used to be on the street selling chicken, everybody wanted random breast. Yeah. They cut them up for salads, they made yes. chicken fingers out of them, they yeah. probably still do, right? But nobody wanted thigh. So mm-hmm. even if I could sell thigh, right, I could save them 59 cents a pound. Yeah. Nobody wanted to thigh. So that we had to we had to really redirect our sales approach to hey not not I can save you 59 cents, but once I incorporate this into a dish, here's how much profit yeah. I can help you make. Absolutely. So they were always looking at, well, it's only 59 cents. Yeah, but if you can make an extra four dollars on a plate, yep. that's big money. Yeah. Right? So that's the challenge with how do, how do we number one, how do we source it and get consistent supply? So you just had relationships, right? Yeah. And then number two, how do we really capitalize on making more money, right? Because yeah. baked potatoes, you make a ton of money on, but <laughs> yeah. not everybody wants a baked potato. So right? imagine this, Darren, uh, you come from the corporate food world uh, in your previous life, and if it's hard for you to sell to an owner mm-hmm. that might understand that there is a huge profit to it, imagine us to try to sell to a guest mm-hmm. that wants to pay for what You're right. he wants. It's, a chain right. effect. <laughs> uh, exactly. it's even more difficult because at that point, they're used to the rebuy. Yeah. And when you show a tri tip, you gotta convince them. You're absolutely right. So you're just aiming to a one percent of the world mm-hmm. when you have another eighty percent that is the masses, the bell curve applies and how can you grab some of that, bring it towards you? And that's what we've been working on in Mastrantos. That's yeah. that's that's a bottom line of our concept is we, yeah. we're trying to achieve people that understand that food is more than just eating and bring the masses to understanding that and the plain vanilla becomes like a new <laughs> universe yeah yeah and that's what we're trying with these different cuts that are not weird for 90 percent of the world but mm. are, are different yeah. for for the for the u.s but your but your menu is designed to be that way and that you have very shareable plates you have portion sizes i mean when we ate we were all sharing tons of plates you know um and so you've designed it so that someone's not committing 
forty dollars to one dish or whatnot and he's got to either live or die by that you know it's it's properly portioned it's properly priced that it's like look if you don't care for the tri-tip for some reason you you will care for it but if for some reason you're not thirty five dollars in on it you're you know whatever yeah Yeah, exactly and and you're sharing it with someone else who probably will love it too you know so um i think that it's not quite tapas style but it is a very approachable style and a very smart style to bring that to the table without someone again having to commit commit to trying something different for the first time so whenever i'm like when we create a menu, when we when we go into the menu process, which we're in the process of doing right now, going into our fall menu, um, the number one question isn't how much money can we make. It's what can we do that no one's used to. You know, what cuts have we used? What what tastes good? What 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 are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to say to the guest? The very last thing is how much money can we make off of it? Yeah, yeah us, money should be a consequence. Yes. Mm-hmm. We want to create cool. good or bad. Yeah, we want to create an ambiance where, like you brought it up, like when people come to our restaurant, we don't want the you get your entree, I'll get my entree, we'll talk again after we're done. It's let's fight for that last piece and continue to do family style and you know, like everybody does at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I hate to say it, we were all fighting for our kids food too because we had ordered just literally it was just like pasta cheese and a little bit of olive oil for like Lachlan and I was like this little brat is eating the best damn <laughs> kids brat. meal it's your brat. like it's my brat yeah but I mean I was just like man al dente pasta homemade you know and it, I mean olive oil that is coming from Spain I mean we know? sat there and picked at it like you're you're full right Lachlan like you're done right you, you done boy <laughs> don't eat again tomorrow, don't oh my god the thing yeah. about, about what you said was like first couple of months for us was the hardest on our pasta was because we were trying to educate a lot of people on what al dente was <laughs> and a lot of people would come in and say i know what a dente is this is too raw it's like we test our pasta every single day <laughs> we know how the, the drying process from drying to, to making to we test it before we start a shift and we know the time it takes to cook and this is not this is too al dente do you know what al dente is because this is what we believe that al dente is. This, and then when they really ask for it, it's overly cooked. And right. Like, well, that's not al dente. You know, in, in so. Houston, where there's where there's an overcrowding of restaurants. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, there is. Right. Where there's obviously you you agree, right? Because you know, right. it <laughs> is is the education process, which obviously slows you down, right? Because yeah. you got to be a little bit conservative, but you need to be creative enough. Yeah. But you also have to educate the consumer by going out and talking to them by having. A, is it is it sustainable for your business? I mean, is there? An, uh, let me rephrase that. Let me back up. Do you have enough passion and enough pockets to to be creative and educational and survive in a crowded market like that? Yes, and that's a very, that's a very important question yeah. because before I walked into this place today, I got a message, and we're highlighting Forbes, Forbes magazine, which. I used to read in a private jet going to Argentina and, you know, in my <laughs> corporate world, and it was like the big deal. 100 million people read that magazine, and we're highlighted today in that magazine. This year, in October, November, we're one year in. It's been tough, and it's been very rough because we're not just putting, you know, a pancake with syrup in front of you. We're trying to ride 
the new Houston. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And today we were highlighted with other two other restaurants that are doing something similar in their own way, which is Real and Mad, M A T, mm -hmm. and the Uptown Hotel. When you read that, that's a new Houston. We're trying to be part of the new, the third largest city or more important city in this country. We're trying to be part of that rule, which along the way, you either have huge pockets mm -hmm. or a passion that takes you to places <laughs> that you would never be. Right. And honestly, this is the fact. I mean, we cook together on the line. He's an executive chef. He's used to managing. He came back 15 years <laughs> and he started from scratch and cooking and cleaning and washing and being a dishwasher and all that because we don't have the big pockets to just hire a bunch of people. We're doing it well. I make it Yeah. quick story if I have. Oh, good. Okay, take your time, <laughs> man. This is your show. This is your show. Thursday. <laughs> the hurricane, no hurricane, but the, the tropical storm. storm. Yeah. yeah. Out of nowhere, we're in the heights. I leave a block away from the restaurant. I walk to it. My kids go to the elementary school. Tony's a big fan of the, of the neighborhood. Our regulars are our friends. And we don't know what to do. Should we close? Should we open? What, what is it? We decided to open. Everybody leaves. Our, our employees are scared and we can hold them, right? right. We're like, if you feel safe, go. You're safer here, but you know, yeah. right. do as you wish. They left and Tony and I looked at each other and said, let's open. I said, yeah, let's do it. We opened the restaurant, 4.45. We opened, we closed between two to five. 4.45, people start showing up. And Tony and I are like, whoa, whoa it's gonna be <laughs> So I tell everybody, we're a skeleton team. Just Tony in the back and me in the front. I got my three kids sitting on the last table. Oh. And we were thinking it's gonna be nice and calm. Oh, we, no. <laughs> a storm of people. I'm not joking, we told everybody, it's only the two of us. If you bear with us, you'll have amazing food. And we only did passes. Tony said, I can't do anything else but one station. Right. Let's do passes. And we did it. We did it for the neighborhood. We were running. It was not fun at one point because it was, <laughs> I was making the coffee, serving the wine, bringing the food. Tony was cooking it and taking it to the, to the table. <laughs> and While a pan's still yeah. going, yes. you know, holy Correct. cow. So my, my point with this is we don't have the big pockets. We don't have the support. We don't have an, a huge investor behind us. And we're doing it because of what we're saying here. We love it. And hopefully we can be part of that new movement of the Houston that everybody wants, mm -hmm. but right now it's not there yet. Right. right. So yeah. that gap is big enough that it could break you. Sure. We hope that this works. And so far, the fact that Forbes is highlighting us today. Texas Monthly talked about y'all. You know, y'all have been, you know, featured quite a bit. Um, it's just a matter of surviving that storm, yeah. surviving that initial part, but continuing to do it right. And I believe it because I've seen it firsthand. Um, I think that it is a incredible thing that you're doing too to continue to allow Tony to continue to create and to keep such an ambitious menu. And then also on the pastry sides, like what y'all do with your breakfasts and what yeah. you're doing with your caterings and so forth. I mean, you you don't just go and buy croissants and then cut them open and you know stuff them with something and oh okay 
you know, thirteen ninety five, you know, for for a catering thing. Y'all, you know, talk about y'all's catering because that stuff is uh, actually uh, nuts. Talking about the challenge dinner, one way or the other, it's there. Uh, people are loving it. They they venture more for dinner, honestly. So they drive out out of their way. They risk on the dishes, on the cuts, and not having the rebuy. That dinner is fun, right? Mm -hmm. Lunch and breakfast. We all are people. I mean. Creatures of habits, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> we like to stop at the same Starbucks and do the same thing and or stop at the same you know, Jimmy Jones and just get the same sandwich. Mm -hmm. So how do we get people out of their routine and come try our amazing crafty stuff that we have during the day shift? Mm -hmm. That's been a, the biggest challenge as a business owner because we don't want to put a sign guy outside of our restaurant. But at the same time, you get a market. Yeah. So you can't keep too quiet about it, right? So it, it's a big challenge that we have internally. How and when do we do it, right? So yeah. the people are not coming to us during the day, only in brunch. Brunch is killing it, and it's one of the best in the Heights, without probably the, the best right now. But during the Tuesday, Friday day shift, we decided to go out for catering, and just you know we're targeting the you know. Corporate worlds of downtown Galleria, Energy Corridor, and lately to um, the medical center, which has been a tremendous hit, and they, they have received us very well. Uh, we have a very crafty breakfast menu for catering and very crafty uh, lunch menu for catering, from soup to sandwich to salads to the carrots over carrots, which is one of the favorite dishes that we have at dinner. Mm. So it's very different, very accessible in a way and we bring it to you. You don't have to order it through an app or anything, you just direct contact. We have a conversation, what is it that you want? We even bring people to the restaurant, they try the dishes mm. and then they choose from that. Right. Uh, so the catering is picking up fairly quick and, and we hope that it becomes a, a big part of the equation. So Xavier, let me ask you a question and we can cut this out if, if you don't want to speak too much on it, but as a first-time restaurateur, and Tony, you can probably speak on this too, because I assume that the lunch shifts that are slow or the days that are slow or when freaking Harvey hits or whatever happens, that, yeah. that ends, y'all probably feel that a thousand times more than what you've ever felt before. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. We were literally just talking about this during our break. We were in over there. Um, yeah, I mean, if I could take this one. We were just Please go about, ahead. Um, for somebody like me, and Xavier said, like, I'm here, I'm there a lot. I mean, obviously, we are a startup restaurant, and I know what it takes to to, to make us operate. And, you know, sometimes on the ship, it's just me. And, you know, it, as, a, on, as a personal standpoint, you know, as a chef, you're like, I'm an executive chef. Why should I be? Why am I doing this? But when you're doing that, and Xavier is, and Mari, they're there all day. One of them is hosting. One of them is cooking. And they're cooking with me. And so we're running pretty thin. And when you're slow, you're kind of sitting there asking yourself, like, are we doing something wrong? Yeah. Right, why is nobody here? And then, you know, it's kind of like a gut check. Mm -hmm. And then, then all of a sudden, you have to, we have, we have to understand that patience. Mm -hmm. You know, the restaurants that are big in Houston right now weren't always popping at the very beginning. You know, the, the other big names that are here weren't, like, lines out the door when they first opened. They were two people in. Michelin stars that are opening, like in the world, are open in the world, were dead on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And so, not to say that I want to compare us to that, but 
when it's slow, yeah, it, it, it almost takes a toll on you. It takes you a toll on you morally. It takes a toll on you, you know. What could I do? Like, where can I sell my soul to get people in here? Right. <laughs> you know? But but then again, like we like Xavier talked about it, we, we were all of a sudden, you're, you're featured in something that you didn't know that was going to happen. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it, 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 to, to go back to your to your question as well, Darren, on the fact of it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just passion because yep. passion can take you so far. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you cross that intersection of passion and success, or passion and execution? Um, and it's it's a hard question that we're still trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna lie. Honestly, this has been easier than I thought. Um, we're enjoying it more than we thought and whoever is out there listening and thinking I'm going to quit my $200,000 a year job and just cook for a passion or draw a, a drawing to sell it for a passion uh, I would say if you do it because you love it and you don't care what comes your way then do it but if you don't mm-hmm. you have a question about it do not do it mm-hmm. because the 80 hour 80 hour job that you're about to get into could take a toll if you don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing things that bother you that really are not important but become huge. And that kills you. And then they stop the whole project. So um, we fortunately have been successful so far on the fact of people enjoying what we're doing and coming back. We have a huge amount of regulars from the Heights. We haven't done big marketing. We're not good at it, to be honest. Uh, we're getting better. So there is a huge market out there that we haven't even touched. Mm-hmm. And with that, we, we've been able to succeed for a year, and it, the best is yet to come. So mm-hmm. it's how you find it. There's a process, procedures, standards. The corporate world <laughs> really helps. You're reading, you're reading from the playbook, right? right. <laughs> the corporate world. It's the structure, like, right? It's a foundation. It works because those companies execute the right way mm-hmm. and they they start from the beginning that way a lot of concepts start and they do have a line of time but in six months they're gone and you wonder what happened yeah. a dish can only take you so far right. and i have a huge respect for chess i have a huge respect for tony um the presentation the flavors everything else is amazing but mm-hmm. a dish is not going to make you successful mm-hmm. just like a wine want or a server want. It's the whole package that is the most difficult part. It's how do you combine all the ingredients to become a great dish or in the business world, a great project. Mm -hmm. But you've done more than just the menu type of stuff. You know, you've been creative with like the pasta making classes and, you know, all of those creative things that kind of add to it where it's like, Look, if, if if somebody else was staring at Monday lunches or like, you know, Tuesday through Thursday lunches that were just kaput, they'd start throwing burgers on there or they'd yeah. start doing, you know, buy one, get one or something like that. But y'all have stuck to the formula. You guys have thought outside the box as well, especially with, you know, the creative catering that you've done and, and everything along those lines. That takes some serious fortitude. So I give both of y'all huge props and your wife huge yeah. props for sticking by you, you know, through it too. Because, you know, as much as it's y'all's passion, you know. I will say this, Mari, if you're listening, Mari's our anchor. Yeah. She, an- she, 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 she anchors us down. So me and Xavier are usually the ones that, like, try to, when you bring up ideas, we try to get like, why, what can we do? And she's, and she's always like, 
wait a second. How are we going to do this? And then all of a sudden it's like, okay. Yep. Let's, let's think this out. So. Yeah. It's important what he just said. It's, uh, it's Again, if you're thinking uh, about doing something, if you have a partner, make sure the partner is involved with you and support of the project. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, it will break your family side. It will break your, your personal side. It's got to be a combination. They don't have to do it together, but at least there's got to be an understanding, like his wife or my wife. In my case, she's my business partner, which is more difficult, but... <laughs> <laughs> But it's important that you're aligned, and if you are, that's critical because it will make the, the, the whole project a lot, a lot easier. <clears throat> I wanted to add to what you said earlier too, Xavier, about one dish won't make you, right? And while, I, because I've been a customer for as far back as I can remember, maybe 40 years, and I'm looking at about 48, so maybe 40. You look very young. <laughs> <laughs> Without the beard now. <laughs> while I certainly love certain dishes about certain restaurants and I will go there just for that dish if it weren't for the ambiance and it weren't for the greeting at the door and it weren't for whatever other subjective emotional connection I have to that restaurant I wouldn't go back you know there's because chefs come and go right chefs get promoted chefs move on to different cuisines so if, if for whatever reason I come there and I love that dish and Tony decides to go be a partner somewhere else now someone else is in control of the destiny of mm -hmm. that dish, right? And I get to eat it, and I'm like, it's not the same. Yeah. So I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So the reason I bring all that up as a more encompassing view from a customer's perspective, if I enjoy four other aspects, five other attributes, someone greets me as, hello, Darren, or I just get <laughs> to sit at the bar and enjoy the view and the show and the experience, I'm going back. Yeah. Now, I may have overkilled that. You may already know that. You're, you're a smart businessman. Dishes are dishes, right? Yeah. Ambiance is ambiance. And from what I can tell, Forbes is writing about you. Texas Monthly is writing about you. You're doing something right. It's not just the global yeah. food with yeah. balance. It's gotta be the entire uh, visit for someone to show up and then Correct. come back, right? I agree. Yeah. I think one of the things that, and the more we talk, and it brings me more conversations that me and Xavier and Marty had. I think one of the first things that we said when we first opened up is, we won, no matter what menu we wanted to do, our first menu needed to gain people's trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. And I think that's what is helping us to be more adventurous. Um, sure. We wanted to, you know, be honest with our guests. We wanted to be honest with ourselves. We wanted to let everybody know, like, you know, let us know what you don't like about it and we'll fix it. Yeah. And so I think we're not just selling food. We're not selling, you know, an ambiance. We're also selling trust. Like, trust us. Trust us yeah. that we're... Oh, we want to serve and we want to do awesome. We want to do awesome. As much as, as customers are trained to go through the pipeline of yep. a restaurant, yes. right? We're still people. Yeah. And if you can get outside of that pipeline and make a connection, yeah. now you've got a customer for a second time. And with a great experience, a second time becomes a third time and a fourth time. Then it just becomes creatures of habit. We yeah. know where we like to go and that's where and we want to be. And you tell your friends and your family. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's uh that's what it has happened with the project. It's just friends and family just uh, talking about themselves and bringing, right. yes. having their birthday and having a catering to their company. <laughs> and, and no, I'm not joking. Yeah. Our yeah. best clients right now for catering are regulars at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. That they are at executive level yeah. or even just an office somewhere and they want great food. Mm -hmm. So you got to believe in what you do. And at the end of the day, 
you gotta this is not a socialist uh, country <laughs> not a country for that matter I'm not a politician or anything thank like god, that but, thank god. <laughs> but the reality is uh entrepreneurship works in this country mm -hmm. and and not only is the passion but how you execute that passion that becomes a reality so we're we're figuring that out right now uh, but along the way, we, we think we have a formula that it's the new Houston. Mm -hmm. We believe we're into the new trend. We will support the city. Uh, we are part of the neighborhood in the Heights initially. Hopefully this, I don't think this is replicable. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can do Mastrantos number two the same way we did number one. But we might do a taco stand somewhere. We might <laughs> do an arepa. Yeah. I mean, a, a shop, and, you know. Fin hole or whatever yeah. other hole that's going on around the city, or maybe go to Katie mm -hmm. and do <laughs> a pasta shop. I, I, we don't know what's next, but yeah. what we know, this is not just a concept to stay in one unit with only a few people. Mm -hmm. We want to touch as many people as we can and support the growth of this city. Well, I think it's I think it's awesome, and I think it's been uh, a great conversation uh, being able to talk from two guys who, you know, do work their tail ends off, work every aspect of the company. Because I assume this is probably you know year three, and you're still probably having to unclog toilets and things like that, just like any other owner. And it was like, oh, this was part of the dream, you know, that, like that when didn't I was on the company jet. I can promise. Yeah. <laughs> Not if I did, I didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but to have the ambitious menu and to be able to tra uh, change the menu as often yeah. that you're doing, one, takes huge support from ownership, Tony, yeah. and huge um, faith in you as a chef. Uh, but also, like y'all were talking about, trust that the community and your regulars will come back for that new thing. Because if their favorite thing or whatnot isn't on oh, yeah. the next menu... Well, now I have to trust the chef that he's going to be able to guide me, you know, into something like that. But the way you've designed it is almost perfect for that scenario in that I could sit right in front of you, Tony, and say, dude, the carbonara is no longer on here. I freaking love that thing. What do I get now? You know? And someone who's going to be able to talk educationally about food, who's going to be able to talk about why he put it on the menu. That has always been the struggle that I think i found as a chef was trying to communicate that to servers i could go out and tell you why this special thing is absolutely amazing and why i'm super passionate about it but try and translate that to a server that's why the food truck was great was you know it was like hey look we had a wild mushroom risotto now speaking of al dente we got a lot sent back like you know it was like no this is what risotto is supposed to be you know like like i know you're used to mush but then we turned it into arancini and we had like a special way to do that. But when we explained it to the customers, it's like, well, look, we make the base for the, for the risotto. But when we don't sell the risotto, we have to turn it into something. So then we roll it up. We make it ball. Also, they're like, oh, that's awesome. I love the story. Da, 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 da. You know, and like, you know, it's, it, it, becomes, it becomes that experience. And that's, that, is, that is, like you said, that's very hard to replicate. You know, it's very hard to expand that because there's not too many Tonys who can exactly. be presentable in front of people and, and talk well. You know, most chefs want to be back of the house guys. They, you know, they want to be hidden and, and things like that. They want to be the celebrity, but they don't want to have to talk, you know? Um, That's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, right? I actually like talking. No, it's funny because, like, any chance that I get to go out there, 
it's like, all right, that's what I'll go out there and talk to everybody. I talk to every single table, and they're like, man, I love the fact that you guys came, or Xavier came out, or Monty came out and talked to us, and like, please don't lose that. And I talked to Xavier and Monty about it. I'm like, I think our culture, we're creating a culture to where we're never going to lose that. Even yeah. if we're not in no, there, no, no. we want our managers, we want the chefs to come out, and we want, and our restaurant isn't as, isn't as big as all the other restaurants, so it, it, it's, it's manageable. It's mm-hmm. manageable to go out and yeah. Shouldn't be afraid to talk to the people and hear feedback because uh, a good friend of mine said that feedback or criticism is like medicine. It, it's bad. It tastes bad, but it's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. I would say this. Uh, uh, you know, something that I believe it's the closing of, of our conversation in a way about the concept. We did this because we believe we wanted to create something from scratch that we could touch the most amount of people possible in internally, not the guests, but the, the employees in a way that they find who they really are. Mm. We wanted to create a platform for people to found themselves. And if along the way they found something they didn't know they were good at, we want to maximize that. Right. And the fact that the first menu came in being safe in a box, the joke that I make at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then Tony brought that amazing dish or amazing menu after the fact, is because of that. It's a platform. Now, Tony, bring, bring yourself in. We've given him the chance to be the host on that Thursday <laughs> night. He didn't enjoy it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Hosting for a chef is like... One second, please. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy for, for a server to make pasta and understand that maybe that server could become the best dough cook. They just didn't know. We are creating the foundation to do that. And along the way, hopefully, or not hopefully, there's got to be a a consequential financial uh, success. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing it just to make money. Money should become part of the equation after we create that platform. Right. And that's the concept in a nutshell. Well, for a uh, first-time restaurateur, and Tony, I'm gonna lump you in there because I assume you're you're just as much uh, a part of the creation of the restaurant as you know anybody else who's involved in it. Um, I think it's uh, incredibly ambitious. Um, I I absolutely love the design of it, the the way it's laid out. You know, from the decor to li- like we've talked about the fresh pasta making section to the openness. Um, everything that uh, it's it's such a little gem um, that if you were to ask a first time restaurateur to open something like this, I think a lot of guys would crumble <laughs> pretty damn quickly, you know. Yeah. So well, I think you made a statement early on, which kind of went in one ear and out the other, and has has resonated with me. But but you had a partner, you didn't have a partner, you put your four all your four hundred one k in, you're all in. You put you pulled your bootstraps out. That, I mean, we talk about this all the time. The cost of goods told is tells the story of and the reality of putting everything into a business, having no background, still a smart businessman, but no background in the restaurant business, hiring, employing the right people to help you make the best educated decisions, reduce the risk, it's all calculated, and then just jump in and go after it. I mean, that is incredibly admirable um, when you can just walk away from the private jet and a six-figure salary <laughs> and be comfortable and then say, I want to do something else. Yeah. 
What and you, you know you lean on your wife and she leans on you and you have three kids to take care of. You kind of threw caution into the wind. <laughs> so so congratulations for so have at least having you know the guts to go after it. Number one, yeah. and number two, having the fortitude to stay with it seven days a week. I mean, owning your own business. You said entrepreneurship works, yeah. right? But you have to be willing to sacrifice everything, <laughs> including your four hundred one k and everything yeah, else. Yeah, the safety net. It's it's uh, it's not safe anymore once you really jump in. I yeah, mean, I have a great friend now. He owns different concepts. Uh, he's one of the uh, he's the owner of uh, Basket Kitchen. Oh, okay. Uh, and I told the story to him, and we just met at that time, and he's like, "Sounds great, but how are you going to sell that?" are you going to sell the craftiness and at what price? And when I told him I didn't want any dish to be above $28, he's like, you, you can't do it. And uh, he's like, come come work for me. So I worked eight months at Buscat, 70 hour a week in the line. I came in dressed like this and the chef just kicked me out of the kitchen and said, go dress properly and come back. And I did. And <laughs> he gave me a month. He's like, you're only going to be there for a month. Six months into it, he's like, when are you freaking quitting? <laughs> I, like I'm doing this until we open our own restaurant right, right. and uh, he gave me the chance to really understand and, and support Tony in a way that honestly as an owner if you don't understand what's going on on the back absolutely of the house, it's yes. hard to do it sure because now when he makes a comment I totally understand it and and I try to support it it's also dangerous because he knows what I know right, right. But, <laughs> but overall you gotta understand the basics of yep. whatever it is you're doing. We thought about opening an engineering company, we thought about opening a marketing company, whatever it was, you have to do the basics. Yep. Once you understand it, at least you will make decisions that are more entrepreneur, smarter way. I don't know. Yeah, how yeah, to the calculated risk. Yeah, yeah you it figure is. it out. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, good for you. I, you got look, you guys are you're doing a great job. I'm gonna come see you soon, so I can write about you, or or, or not write about you. <laughs> I've heard good things, but I'm excited about it, and I've seen the pictures online, and it's truly an open concept. It's a beautiful space inside. Um, it looks like it's you know centrally located right there in the Heights. Yes. And so I'm excited about that. So you know, congratulations for your success, and thank you both for coming no, on the show. For having us. Where do people fun. find you on social media? So we want to uh, focus our attention to Instagram. Mm -hmm. So even the website is very basic. Uh, Instagram is where you find who we are. Okay. Uh, you can see all the pictures. You can follow us and understand any events that we're doing. So at Mastrantos on Instagram is the best way to uh, keep in touch with us. Okay. Perfect. Open seven days a week? We are open six, six days, days a week. week. I mean, we were doing catering today, but <laughs> <laughs> we're open for the public six days a week. And uh, we do take reservations for dinner time, we're full service at dinner, and during the day, including brunch, we're over-the-counter service, um, so we're a bit more casual. Our concept is a elevated casual concept in a way, so you can come in shorts or uh, suit and tie, and, and you'll, you'll feel comfortable. And what's your address? We're at uh, 927 Studewood, so it's nine blocks up north of I-10 on Studewood, which is Montrose. Yeah, you so go south, south, you go Montrose, right? if you go yeah. north, you go Studewood. So mm -hmm. we're in the north, nine blocks north of I-10. Fantastic. And what time do you open for dinner? Uh, 5 p.m. 5 p.m., okay. And breakfast, we're open at 7 a.m. Okay, and breakfast is which days? So we have Tuesday through Friday. Okay. Uh, weekday brunch, if you will, from, uh, it 
goes from 7 to 2 p.m. Okay. And we close to get ready for dinner from 5 to 10. Okay. And then brunch goes Saturdays and Sundays, 8 to 3 p.m. Okay. Yeah, come on over. Check us out. <laughs> and in between there, he gets a nap. Yeah, right. Barely. <laughs> sure. Barely. <laughs> I'm usually sleeping on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> well, Xavier, thank you very much. No, it's our pleasure. Honestly, oh, thanks for coming and letting us be well, Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm glad I'm glad and I think you know we have a lot of industry guys who listen to the to the podcast and you know Tony I think we talked about it um, last time we talked at the restaurant you know we didn't really have that kind of growing up and so I hope people can listen to this and guys can kind of get some feedback and understand the struggles and understand you know both the chef side of things and then also the the risk side of it and what it really does take it's not oh, I'm going to open up this high-end restaurant and sit mm. back and you know cash checks you know i'm gonna freaking make coffees and get on the line and cook and learn what it really I'm really call, takes so. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah i was gonna say man you're so. the janitor the sous chef the executive chef and the owner the grind is real the grind the grind is real and it's not an overnight success and you can get the forbes type of things yeah. and you can get all these write-ups and it's still is a grind and, and you still got to continue until until it really hits and i i see it coming uh, please continue to do what you guys do. I know we were freaking flipping out over that elote plate that you made, man, with the, um, it was like the pickled baby corn. Oh, my God, man. What a, oh, good. I was going to say, I was like, yo, if I'm coming in, I got to make sure you got, I'll bring in pickled baby corn or something so you can freaking make that. Um, but the pasta, the pasta dishes and everything, I mean, just uh, the, the whole menu is super creative. And then also, and I forgot to mention this was the bar side of things because you don't have a full liquor license, but we still kind of had like cocktails, cocktails yeah, yeah, which yeah. was so cool that it was like, oh, all right. This yeah. is, I mean, it's not the Manhattan, but all right, this is, this is a pretty interesting. Yeah, this is pretty damn cool. So you get to sip on it out of a sniffer glass. So that creative side of it too is, is wildly applaudable. So you know, I, um, I hope this podcast helps. I hope people, you know, get to know y'all a little bit more. Um, I hope people sit at the chef's table and just talk to y'all and ask questions and try absolutely everything because places like y'all do not come around all that often are not in every neighborhood. Um, so, you know, go out there, show some support, um, give these guys some love because what y'all are doing is absolutely awesome. Need local support local. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank All right. You. All right. As always, like and subscribe. You know, find us on Instagram podcast. I got to get a different outro. Darren's laughing at we my ass. Like so six times. yeah. You're just still talking. I'm just talking. I just like to talk. All right, y'all. We out. The Cost of Goods Told podcast is made possible by the following sponsors: Zero Point Organics grows and supplies microgreens for over 30 major restaurants in the Houston area. Consistently perfect quality in flavor and appearance, their microgreens will be the best you or your customers have ever had every single time. Go to zero, Z-E-R-O-pointorganics.com. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is committed to providing you with the best quality meat delivered right to your door. Offering certified Angus beef, grass-fed beef, Wagyu, and many more premium options, nobody beats Duke's Meats. Make sure to check out all that Duke has to offer at dukespremiummeats.com. Criswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas-style hot sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. 
Go to BernieBrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie, B-O-E-R-N-E, brand.com.